Dog ball hot fog. Dog ball hot fog. This is my new summertime poem, which I composed a few days ago. Dog ball hot fog. Um, this is the Steve McLaughlin Radio Hour. I'm Steve McLaughlin, and uh, coming to you from the other end of a long and narrow soda straw. Also from New Jersey. Um, I heard of a death this morning, actually. Um, internet friend. Um, this guy John Tennant, who uh, who's a big guy in the open science world. He's younger than me. He he was 32. He, he died in a motorcycle accident in, in Indonesia. It's a crazy thing. I just, I mean, I don't know. This is just like one of the cast of characters in my life. I n- never met him in person. We, there for a time there, we chatted a lot. <laughs> I mean, now three, yeah, four years ago, I guess we, we talked on Twitter all the time and we're always, yeah, going back and forth. And, um, continued to follow him and he was just around fell out of touch kind of wasn't really up with what he was doing for the <laughs> for a little while but i saw his posts on reddit constantly um, he, <clears throat> he had the handle proto hedgehog proto hedgehog he was a paleontologist um yeah scientist and then a big uh, big open source, you know, big, um, open science. Yeah. Anyway. So, so yeah, that one, I just read that on, you know, just saw that on Twitter. Actually I saw it on, on Reddit about a, an hour ago. So that's a real shame. I mean, I don't, uh, yeah, that's a real loss. It's just like, uh, I mean, it, the thing, it really, it, <laughs> He existed for me as like an aggregate, like uh, like he was the open underscore science community on Reddit, basically. Like on a on an average Tuesday, he was just like he was going through <laughs> wherever he was. Must have been reading like Slashdot and Hacker News and other things, and then like posting links or his own Facebook or Twitter, and then you know sharing links on on open science. So you would always see that, basically. Basically, what would happen is I would see, I would flick through Reddit and I would see an open science post and I would think, oh, did John post this? And, and, you know, yes, almost every time in that particular community, it was, uh, it was Proto Hedgehog. Um, yeah. And a motorcycle accident. It's just that the whole, whole thought is so horrible. The whole scene is just so tragic. And I think he died still less than a day ago. It's just a, yeah, anyway. Yeah, John Tennant. Um, <laughs> I think the really scary thing about that for me is I know that on a motor, like every situation is different and it's, and obviously you never get, the details of these things don't really matter and it's none of anybody's business, but it's at least if your mind is like mine, you get, you get stuck on those just thinking about it. Um, and so to me, the thing about a, about a motorcycle accident that's scary is that you would, you would be on the ground. You would be in a really bad situation before you could even, before you even knew it was happening. Like there's not time to react. And I say that with experience not from falling on a motorcycle, but I mean, you would, um, like if you flew off the motor, the whole thing about a motorcycle that's so unsettling is you don't have a, you're a lot of things, but you don't have a seatbelt. That's the one really big, weird difference from a regular car because it's safer to not have a seatbelt. You don't want to, um, I, I have a motorcycle license. I know a lot, a lot of people don't know that, but I do have a motorcycle license. I don't use it, but it's, 
I guess it's a curiosity. It was an interesting way to spend four weekends. Um, one time a few years ago, taking this course. Um, yeah, and which and and in that course like that, they take your imagination through a lot of different possible scenarios, and people, you know, people. Another thing, so I, yeah, people will raise their hand in a class like that and tell the most wildly inappropriate, you know, just like the most horrible story because people have stories, you know, and if you get into a group of people and the topic is road safety, people have stories. Um... Yeah, the one, the one that comes to mind is someone, you know, someone raised their hand and just like, it was a secondhand story from some emergency worker, but the story of someone who had been thrown 50 feet off his motorcycle and um, uh, de decapitated by a pole. It's just the most horrible thoughts. So I, I don't use my motorcycle license, actually. I, uh, I've been out on the highway one time on a motorcycle borrowed from, uh, from my father-in-law. But... Um, and I took the motorcycle. I took this test. I took a motorcycle course with a with a, uh, a motorcycle provided, and I did really well on the test, on the driving portion, the whole thing. Um, but that is some scary shit. And I know the I know that the I know the reaction time thing because of skateboarding. I think the only the thing that skateboarding really has going for it in a way is it's low speed. Um, the thing that makes it, you think of it as being dangerous, but that compared to something like, like, I mean, the thing that makes motorcycling safe is that the roads are flat, you know, except when they're not. But with skateboarding, I, um, well, I had a bad fall last summer where I, I had a few ball, falls last year, but I, last summer I bruised my ribs. I fell really hard. And the thing that freaked me out about that was that it was not, I did not expect it. It was so out of my expectation that I had no reaction. The other thing about skateboarding, well, here's what I've, <laughs> this is kind of like the philosophy that I've landed on, landed on since that fall, is that, uh, that the skate, the, the, I basically I've learned to find the pleasure in not falling, like in like, like defensive skateboarding. And in... Yeah, and in pra consciously practicing that li that little motion of jumping off the skateboard, or realizing that I'm falling and getting my body just like somehow rotated, I had it. My shoelaces got caught in the board. I may have mentioned this before. My shoelaces got caught in the wheel a few months ago, and I I feel like my body was at 45 degree angle before I realized what was happening, um, because the yeah the wheel the wheel locked up and the board. The wheel stopped turning. And in that case, I was able to like flick my feet up and land on my feet and not get hurt. But last summer, I, yeah, I may have mentioned this before too. But, but, but yeah, it's, well, there's a couple things. There's one of them is the speed is, and, and so that, that changes the way you skateboard too, which you, you have to be anticipating a lot of different, you know, anticipation is the whole thing. So that's part of it is to try to, anticipate what you can and knowing that you can't anticipate everything and then doing it enough that you can generate these practical you can practice these reflexes so that when something does go wrong your body can fix it before your mind is able to catch up and that is the real crazy zen part of it or like the thing that it's so the thing that I didn't, it was like, that's the part that I didn't get when I was really younger, when I was really in my teens and kind of less coordinated. Is that like muscle memory part of it? And in skateboarding, when you're really quite, when you're going quite fast, and sometimes you, sometimes that does happen and your muscle memory has to save you in a situation where you realize you would have been like head first <laughs> into the sidewalk if it was not for that small little thing, like a little, what I'm thinking of is like, sometimes you like put extra pressure. Yeah, like you put a bunch of pressure on your back left toe or heel just to like keep the 
board from swerving. Like the board swerves out a little bit and you have to like jam pressure onto it to just like keep your body aligned and moving in a straight line forward. This is like the, probably the least interesting thing to ever <laughs> to listen to talking about skateboarding. Sk- skateboarding videos are boring enough, but to, if you're not deeply interested in skateboarding, <laughs> um, but yes, hearing a conver- hearing a solo description of skateboarding tricks, that's got to be low on the list. Um, but the other thing is that your body, it's never just a fall. It's never just like a log falling over. The first thing is that you're moving quickly. Um, and that changes the way that your body rotates. So you're like, and, and you have a skateboard underneath you, which is able to move extremely quickly with, you know, very low friction. So if you do, in the worst case, let's say the skateboard gets out from behind you or out from in front of you, like you really lose your, your body starts rotating and you completely lose your footing and the board slips out. If that happens, that's going to rotate your body quickly, like, like flipping a coin. Um, and, and in that case, your head could be on the ground a lot quicker than you anticipate. <laughs> but even if your body's not rotating in that way, the board hits something on the ground and uh, your feet are kind of glued to the tape. So it's le- it's less worse than just what you want to be able to do is slow down. <laughs> you want to be able to slow down. You know, I mean, I mean, this is stating the obvious. The thing that hurts you is not going very fast. Um, the thing that hurts you is not, or, you know, it's not like dropping in from a very high place or doing something, yeah, doing something really fast or high. The thing that hurts you is a, a change in your speed, um, going from very fast um, to stationary really quickly. Your, your, you know, your organs get all compressed and your bones break and stuff like that. So it's sort of like stretching out in any possible way. If you do encounter an issue, if you hit a crack in the sidewalk or something like that, it's, it's just the, the, the practice, you know, the thing that you're practicing for is smearing out that moment of accident that moment of impact at the moment of what have you. Um, because if you can, if you can spread that out just a little bit, first of all, your body can slow down. And what I'm talking about now is when you hop off the skate, when you're going forward and you hit something, but instead of having your feet stick to the grip tape, and, and if, if that happens, then your whole body is going to stop really quickly. Your, your, your body is going to tip over. Your face is going to go down hard into the ground because, and you're instantly stopping. But if you're able to use, flick your body up or basically like lift your feet up to get yourself off the board, just do a little hop at the moment as you're, as you're, you know, as you're hitting a rock and you can slow yourself down, you have a little, a moment to react. That means you can get your hands out and protect your head, um, which is, which is the whole thing. So I'm sure there probably are equivalent equivalent little micro reactions for, for motorcycling. And I'm sure, I think you, you know, I can imagine a world where I confidently motorcycled, but it would take a lot more, a lot more practice than I have. Uh, and I'm, ba- I'm barely confidently skateboarding. I've kind of scaled back on the skateboarding under quarantine because of the, because of the risk that I would just like break my wrist and have to <laughs> have to go to the ER and just the embarrassment of that situation and the also the you know obviously the risk that's the real problem but the feeling like a drain on the, the medical system if I turned my ankle broke my toe but I thought it was worse and I went in and they bandaged me up and sent me home or needing stitches I've needed stitches before. But I can't brag too much about that. I'm I'm a very cautious skateboarder. This is central to my skateboarding philosophy, is being extremely cautious and defensive and not doing not doing things for the heck of it. Basically not doing tricks where there's a one in ten chance that you're gonna land it. 
I never ever had the tolerance for. I, I, here's the thing. I I am like leading with. I have to fight this tendency to brag about my skateboarding injuries because that's not the central thing. And also, I don't want other people to try crazy stuff on skateboards and get hurt because the skateboarding is really so much. It's so much about the repetition. It's um. It's so much about. I mean, I used a skateboard for transportation for years. You know, it is not something to be taken lightly. And even even still, I feel like only in the, only in the last year, as I've gotten back into skateboarding, only now do I. There's things that I picked up on that I didn't didn't understand when I was a teenager. Just things about how to. Just things about how to keep the board under you. I don't know. Things about how to keep your momentum going in a straight line, no matter what. And even still, I have to say, I mean, I can't ollie, or I don't, I choose not to ollie, I guess. I choose not to hone that. I basically didn't, basically, okay, here's what happened. Here's my personal skateboarding trick tale in 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 a nutshell capsule. I, you know, I got into skateboarding with all my friends as a young person. Everyone started practicing and getting better. And we had been through this with BMX biking and whatever, and we learned various tricks. Um, but, some, but with the skateboarding, at a certain point, people got into doing ollies, which is the trick where you jump, you know, get the board. You jump up in the air, and the board is under your feet, and then you do something. You can do a kickflip. You can jump ollie over something. You can ollie downstairs. You can do a pop-shove-it and flip the board, you know, under your f- feet, uh, like rotate it. So... People started getting into that stuff, and I basically was not very good at ollieing. I think I didn't have the best board for it. Like I had wheels that were, there were I, my boards generally had wheels that were a little too big. There was something quite off. It just didn't feel natural to me. Ollieing while moving forward, and like a bunny, bunny hop on a skateboard on a, on a on a BMX bike makes sense to me. You're moving forward. You kind of just jump the bike up in front of you. You can kind of whip it around a little bit. Blah blah blah. Not that I was that good at that, but I, that, that motion made sense to me. But the ollie motion just like was mysterious. It was something I couldn't get my head around. So, yeah, and I could have just tried harder, but but the downside risk of just like falling and busting your head, or, or you know, falling, hurting your elbow more realistically, just hurting your hands and your wrists over and over again, um, which my friends were doing, by the way. My, my you know, masochistic friends were, were going through this punishment and seeing benefit, you know, getting much better at their skateboarding, kind of leaving me behind. But I, uh, so we went to skate, there were skate shops around. There were skate shops around that we would go to and soak up some of the culture and whatever, just look at stuff. And I noticed they had these really long skateboards in some of these places, uh, these long boards. And I kind of, this was sort of my scheme to be like, uh, I'm going to drop out of the whole ollie thing. I'm going to I'm just going to go off and do my own kind of weirdo skateboard. I'm going to do my longboard thing. I'm going to get into a different, I'm going to get into a subcultural niche of this subcultural niche. And then maybe I don't have to do such, such, uh, such, such risky tricks on a day-to-day basis. And so we went to a, it was a skateboard store. This is a great, this is like such a cool nineties memory to me, I guess. It was a store called Failure. And you would see their stickers all over South Jersey on, on people's cars. The store was called Failure. And then the, the bumper sticker had a, it was an F with a circle around it. Like a red F, like it was stamped by a teacher. Failure, F. And these things were all over the place. And every now and then still you, every now and then you see some busted up, like somebody's old beater, something that was on the road in 1997. <laughs> every now and then. I haven't seen one this past year, but I've seen one in the last five years. A failure sticker. So we went to failure, and I saved up lawn mowing money and whatever. I don't even know how I got enough money for this, but I bought a Sector 9 longboard with a pointy tip. The whole thing was probably, I don't know, four feet long? It's hard to picture. But it was like, you think, sort of like a fish skate, fished. It didn't have a split back. <clears throat> I'm not sure how to describe it, but like a big ellipse with a pointy front. Um, and a teeny tiny, you know, a relatively small tail on the back, but it flexed quite a lot. 
and it had big wide trucks very wide sturdy trucks and then big soft wheels and so this skateboard did give me unique powers among my friends which is that I could just go faster also I, I I'm not sure what bearings I got that day but on it I at some point I, I switched over to the expensive bearings and I cleaned my bearings frequently and, and re-lubricated them so I my whole thing was just going really fast and being stable and using it much more for transportation so that was my skateboard experience and hey now 20 years later I've been totally vindicated because this is longboards are everywhere now and I lived in Austin Texas just Austin is actually a perfect city for skateboarding in general longboarding because there's a lot of uh, hills and a lot of like relatively gently sloping hills Um, some hills that are way too steep but there are a few neighborhoods if you are like going from your off-campus living down to campus a, a longboard would be so perfect for that one one-way trip um, but I yeah so I got got into longboarding as my alternative to the alternative <laughs> uh, it's kind of a running theme I guess for me um, and that was fine and, and look I had other stuff to pay attention to in, in high school and I, I, I at a certain point at a certain point, at a certain point at the end of high school, I was going out less and skate, you know, I was spending more time on homework, basically. Um, but I had a few sweet years of, of longboarding, and it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, I missed some of those long, I've replaced that board with a, with a Lib Technologies board. Very nice, laminated, double-tailed just like a super, super long, regular skateboard. Um, and I, you know, so I did my own kind of skating. And uh, look, I did one one dangerous thing that my friends wouldn't do, which was there was a, a concrete drainage uh, drainage channel in Delran, probably about a 45 degree angle, leading from, actually leading from my high school down to a shopping center down below. Um, and we would go skate behind back behind the staples we go back there and, and skateboard in the summertime I, actually we'd get my mom to give us a ride over there in the van <laughs> and she would leave us just like on a Tuesday in the summer leave us for like two or three hours and there was a dollar store there so we'd go into the dollar store and I'd buy like a three liter jug of root beer um, warm off the shelf and then I would take that outside and drink that, 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 you know, that, that this was that kind of scene and nobody ever messed with, with, with us at that skate spot which I appreciate um, there's now a childcare center there, so, so it's less cool, less cool of a spot. But I went up, so this drainage thing was like, I don't know, 30 feet tall at the top? Pretty fucking tall. And I really worked on, I was like, it would be cool to be able to skateboard down from the top of that all the way down to the street. Um, which, which I was just like, nobody else even considered it, but I worked on it piece by piece. I was like, okay, I'm going to try riding down from two feet up on this wall. And the transition down to the, you know, you have to go from the concrete to the asphalt, and there's like a little bump there. It's, and there's like a, there was a manhole cover. You had to either avoid the manhole cover or commit to it and go over the manhole cover. And so then I tried from like 10 feet up, you know, and then, and then from 11 feet up. And I worked on this. I think it probably took me a couple sessions to kind of keep practicing this. And then at the end, then at the end I could do it. I could just hop on my board and ride down all the way from the top. And that's still a proud... I still tell that story. <laughs> I still just told that story. Anyway. Um, I looked at that recently and I thought, maybe I could do that again. And it, I thought better of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so we, we talk about the falls, but it, the real satisfaction and the real thing that makes you keep doing it is having those experiences of hopping off the board having those close calls feeling the board almost it's these little tiny subtle moves that I'm now kind of becoming conscious of and sort of trying to cultivate or maybe it's not even helpful to be conscious of them but but trying to work on so like if you're I'm trying to figure out how to spin around to the left to like my back side spin around and do a 360 just in the street i'm just talking about like skateboarding on a flat ground 
And sometimes you can take it a little too wide. You can, instead of spinning around in a single spot with the back trucks on the skateboard, you can make a C shape. And then that means you're ha you have lateral pressure on the wheels. And so, and so the, the thing is that the, the skateboard can slip out from underneath you. And this is especially difficult. This is especially tricky because you're going backwards and so you can't see where you're going. And if the skateboard flick, if, if the skateboard goes off from underneath you, you're going to fall on your, on your butt, which is worse than falling on forward because you can't catch yourself. So anyway, uh, there's these little tiny little moves like when I'm making that back, that backside turn. And if I realize I'm going too wide, I can jam. <laughs> it's another one where I'm jamming my ankle down or I'm like pushing my heel in. I'm just like pushing my weight down a little bit, just a tiny, teeny, tiny, little bit more than normal for a moment to keep from spinning out. And all of that was f based on feedback because I, I don't know, some, my feet, I felt it. Maybe it's my inner ear. I don't know. Something felt off at the very beginning. And there's this momentary, like, as you practice the move repeatedly, as you start practicing a move like that, you just have to be prepared to fall a bunch um, and hopefully not fall on your back. But fall a bunch and where you are catch yourself when you bust up your like basically your hand, your palms I don't know I think it I think maybe I don't I think if there's a range of bone fragility I think if you're if you have more fragile bones skateboarding would be less less um, less for you I drove a guy to the um, I've only done maybe 15, 10 or 15 episodes of this show, and I still can't remember when I'm repeating myself. Even <laughs> uh, I drove a guy to a, the ER in Austin from the from the skate park last year. 14 year old. I think I did tell this story. Yeah, and that kid was that kid's that kid was in bad shape. His his arm was at like a 35 de degree angle compound fracture so anyway yeah so I'm I yeah but that makes me feel like maybe I was doing the right thing by not wanting to try to ollie so much when I was his age when I was 14 um, because the I don't know yeah I mean like did have you guys seen that movie mid 90s the um, Jonah Hill directed movie it's a movie about skateboard culture in the in the 90s about dude teenage high school skateboard culture um i thought it was pretty good i mean i thought it was generally pretty good uh you know movies have to f hit certain beats so there were things about it that there were like very narratively conventional that i that i didn't love but but there were things i liked about it the one thing i didn't like about it or that that troubles me looking back, I guess. I well, look. Anyway, there's this part where the kid, the the protagonist, does this incredibly risky m move and then falls and hurts himself. And does it just to impress these older skaters. Uh, and so part of the, within the world of the movie, this kid is is an, is a fool. But I don't know. I think that like, but then but you still the scene that you end up mem remembering from that movie, is like, the scene that you end up remembering is like this kid jump skateboarding off a roof like trying to do a roof gap jump with without any ollie skills and just like falling down and falling down <laughs> i don't know just like needless self-inflicted pain which makes sense within the movie but i think it reflects badly on it's not a good example as how to skateboard <laughs> yeah so yeah pedagogically I guess I, that's my main objection to that to that movie. Yeah. There were good things about mid-90s. I don't think mid-90s was... I wouldn't... I wouldn't go out of my way to... I wouldn't put it on a syllabus, probably. Probably, depending on the class, I guess. But if, I wouldn't put mid-90s on a syllabus. Uh, but it was... Hey, mid-90s. It was a lot better than the whackness. I think we can all agree. <laughs> Mid-90s was a lot better than the whackness.
Yeah. There are these moments in skateboarding, though, where you sometimes have to... I mean, you don't have to do anything. But you face this little moment where you realize, like, I mean, if I'm going to do this thing, then I just have to accept the risk. And you just have to live with this little calculation. Like, I skateboarded... One of my great joys, I think, when I look back on my whole life, one of my great pleasures was um, in Austin, Texas. When we, so we moved from Austin to, to New Jersey last year uh, in, in the summer. Uh, I moved at the end of August. And so I, there was this little concrete drainage area by our apartment complex, which I had looked at for years. We lived in Austin for four years. And I had been, sta- I'd, I'd been looking at these two little concrete drainage areas the thing about Austin is that it floods like crazy um, you think so the, the ground is relatively hard I mean Texas is not the desert most people think of it as unless you're out in West Texas unless you're in Big Bend and there is a lot of desert like a lot of scrubby nothing land in Texas if you go west but Austin you know Houston Dallas uh, pretty pretty lush, relatively tropical. And so at Austin, uh, but that said, the ground is still dry and there's uh, the ranches and whatnot are, are relatively scrubby in between cities. <laughs> okay, so all that qualification uh, thrown in there. Um, what was I even talking about? <laughs> uh, so when it rains, because the ground is so uh, dry and, and tight and hard, the, the, the water flows across the surface of the ground so it's not soaked up, soaked up like a sponge. It's more like uh, water hitting a linoleum floor. And so there's a lot of concrete infrastructure for moving water around. Um, and then a lot of like little ditches and temporary streams and things, places where the water just is sometimes. <laughs> and for certain parts of the year, it will just rain for like three weeks at a time. Or, you know, for certain parts of the year, it will, it will rain for three hours at a time or one hour at a time every single day. And then it will clear up and everything will be totally dry. Um, and then you can skateboard again, unlike in New Jersey where it's wet for days at a time. Anyway, I'd been looking at these concrete drainage areas for years and thinking that would probably be possible. Like you could, you could skateboard those in theory. Like if you put in a little bit of elbow grease and like went down there with a broom, you know? So it was one like, there was two, two, two pieces that were connected by pipes underneath the street. But on one side, it was um, on one side it was basically like a half pipe. I mean, it was, you know, the, the sides are not curved in that perfect way. The sides are more like a 45-degree angle. Um, but then it was a flat bottom, and the whole thing was concrete. And the concrete's a little rough, and, like, there's weeds growing here and there. But the whole thing was, like, it was actually pretty perfect, and the dimensions of it were right. But I, I knew from my skateboarding skills, from a, you know, I just knew that I couldn't ride over those grass patches I knew that the angle was probably a little bit too high like if I hit a rock then I would be screwed also I didn't you know I had a tiny skateboard I just didn't what it was not a good option for me in my most of my time there and I was in grad school and busy with all this other stuff but in my last summer in Texas when I you know during this period when I got into skateboarding and I was going to the municipal skate parks I basically you know the skate parks are far away and I was stuck in my house during the day and so I started exp- poking around these concrete drainage areas and practicing and just little by little being like, okay, can I ride down this wall and then not fall? Okay. Can I ride down this wall and then get up onto the next wall and then not fall? And then maybe ride down a little bit on the other wall and then not fall. And so I was like, it just felt so good to incrementally work on this all summer. And I was just, just basically, (laughs) especially after this, after, after this big fall, uh, bruising my ribs, where I was, in that case, I was, there's another, you know, so there's a lot of this concrete. Also, Austin is very hilly. People t- generally think of Texas as flat, but, but Austin in particular, and then especially to the west, uh, it becomes hilly and mountainous. But uh, Austin is like full of hill- hills. Parts of it really feel like, well, nothing is like San Francisco, but it, it's, a, it's a hilly city. Um, so there's, you end up with a situation where a hill has been artificially chopped off and you have concrete just everywhere. Just so much crazy concrete. You have a lot of parts, or just, yeah, a road goes by some parking lot where it's been scooped out. And so you have a lot of like 45 degree uh, or even steeper retaining walls. 
and the steeper ones are not are no good. But there's this one by the by the bus stop, uh, by a bus stop by my house that I thought was pretty cool. And so, so I skated there, and I, that was where I hit a rock. And I was just going too fast trying to ride up this wall on a little skateboard, and I fell and I and I hit my chest. Um, but anyway, after that, after that that fall, <laughs> the bad fall that took me a few weeks to recover from, um, I I just started. I basically started working on my footwork more and um, riding, deliberately riding over like bumps on the sidewalk and figuring out how to, how to do it, how to get over them really consistently and keep up your speed and not, and no, and not, and not lose your footing and not um, fall and make a fool of yourself. Also how to ride next to the traffic and not lose your skateboard in a way that sends your, your skateboard out into traffic extremely important I developed a sub specialty in my fall recovery um, kind of repertoire sub specialty in which as I fall I reach back with my foot and I stop the skateboard <laughs> this is another specialized you know this is another little technique that I've come up with <laughs> or landed on because this practice the practice really does feel like um you familiar with the term reinforcement learning? There's this idea, this idea in computer science, in the world of neural networks, um, it's like basically it's a type of machine learning. So you can do, you can use all kinds of techniques to classify things using machine learning. You know, using yeah, using um, computer vision or slicing and dicing data various ways to break it up into categories, uh, and that's one kind of that's one kind of machine learning. And another one is reinforcement learning, in which you have a goal. You can think of it, the most obvious example would be uh, if you've seen like AI beats Super Mario Brothers 3, or what have you. Any of these videos with AI playing video games, or like AI, AI learns to beat every Atari game in less than a day or something. Um, that's reinforcement learning, where there's a goal, like the goal is just get to the end of the level, and then everything else is up to the up to the neural net so it tries things at random and then if things fail then it just like x's out those <laughs> those parts of the tree like it just says like okay well, don't do that so we'll try again then we'll do something different and so relatively you know within hundreds or th thousands of repetitions one of these systems can just land on just like by brute force land on an algorithm to play a video game like super mario brothers and then by the end of the game, you're just like watching this thing play, and it looks like a person, basically. I mean, it, may be it might be playing in an idiosyncratic way, but it, it's hopping around with precision, you know, having been trained by nobody, just by basically repetition. And that's what the skateboard, the skateboard stuff feels like. Um, but it was a great pleasure of my, it was a really immense kind of like happy summertime feeling for me last year to be able to find to practice to be able to go into these two drainage areas near my apartment and work it out and actually get to be able to do some little tricks in them and uh you know get just get comfortable doing this kind of local backyard wildcat skateboarding um and then and to have time to work on the technique a little bit and add some flourishes and things so go up to one side of this this dream drainage canal and you know yeah put drop the tail on the lip of it and then drop in make a kind of simulate a little drop in right up the other side go down a little bit and then have to you have to come down and then get over the grass you got to time it just right you can get back down and then right up the other side gosh the other drainage area was like a like a snake run it was kind of like a the problem with that other drainage area was that there was a lot of water in it so you can think of it as like a long tube kind of with with uh, angled sides and water in the middle but the water is kind of in like puddles if it hasn't been raining so you can ride down this thing very gentle slope you can ride and this is all really narrow maybe 10 feet wide or less you ride down this and then look for spots where there's less water and you can cross over and then kind of go back and forth on this like pipe um, that was less that was more fun because of because it was a cool place to trespass. 
Um, yeah. And so this was all in June, July and August in, in, uh, in Austin, Texas in the heat. Um, I remember I did quite a bit of this while listening to the, the Michael Azarad book, Our Band Could Be Your Life, listening to the audiobook. And just, yeah, going out after dark sometimes, skateboarding, just skateboarding up and down, back and forth. So, I don't know. I'm not sure I recommend that. I'm not sure I recommend anyone start skateboarding. I'm sure I recommend people don't start motorcycling. Um, yeah. So, but there is this moment sometimes uh, when you have to make a decision and you really, like, there's a moment in skateboarding when you realize that it could go terribly wrong and you you just need to commit to it. You You need to commit to it or go do something else. Like dropping in on some new quarter pipe somewhere this you know this move where you put the you stand on the lip of the board at the edge at the top of some ramp some curving ramp and you lean forward and so you go from being horizontal to basically being you know going straight down at least for a moment <clears throat> that's something i didn't learn i did, did not learn that until last year uh using the using the uh austin texas municipal skate park system um, and that was very satisfying, but that really took a lot of commitment and, and, and some medium severity falls <laughs> to master. Uh, those moments, yes. So there are these moments, it reminds me of when you're driving, especially on a, on a rainy night sometimes, but you're, you're driving in a dark place and sometimes you have to just momentarily take your life into your hands. Like if you're going over a hill Like, let's say you're going over a hill and you have to get into the left turning lane and it's dark and there's, you know, the road is slick. You think there's nobody there and you have to go over the hill and and get into this lane at the same time. And for a moment there, there could be somebody in the lane from the other side. Like some, in some places it's, this is a bad design, but in some places that this is the, the, this is the design or like just making a left turn. I don't know. Oh, getting off the highway, left exits from the highway. Sometimes you can't quite see the road ahead of you. Uh, you can't quite see. You just for the. Oh no! Here's what it is. Here's really the. Here's what I was trying to think of. Here's what I was trying to place. Uh, when you're riding on a highway, like a not like a interstate, but like a. I'm thinking of Route 130 near me, but a smallish, uh, uh, off the major road kind of highway. And it's night, and the highway curves. And so you're in the, 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 <laughs> you're on the inside of the curve. You're in the concave part of the curve. Uh, and so for a moment there, everyone's headlights in the other lane are straight in your eyes and it's, it's unavoidable. And it's, you're just blinded for a moment because this thing is designed badly or because it's raining and there's so much more extra glare and reflection off the road than there normally is. And you, you can sometimes anticipate this and you're like, okay, I'm going to have to be blind in five, four, three, two, one. And you're blind for one second. And then you don't crash. Typically <laughs> you normally you come out on the other side of it and you're okay. Um, but yeah, it's not always so. And I've been listening. I mean, gosh, <laughs> I, I, I'm following the news like everybody else. And I'm looking at the number of COVID-19 cases in my town, the next town over, the next town over. Um, and it's serious. It's like 10 people in my town who have tested positive. Um, yeah, it's a lot of people. But it's, but also, I've, in my, just in my kind of like moment of paranoia, I've, I've been listening to, or whatever, moment of wanting to be informed. I've been listening to the uh, EMS dispatch station in the background. It's a regional... Um, regional EMS dispatch station for South, this part of South Jersey. And I, uh, I, I've, I've listened to it before because I'm interested in radio stuff, but just wanted to see how many respiratory emergencies were, were going on. Um, and there were quite a lot actually. 
Um, but I can't quite compare because there are also cardiac emergencies happening, you know, more than one per hour. Um, and, and yeah, there's, there's all this other stuff. Uh, actually, you know what I've, (laughs) there are even listening to the EMS dispatch on the last, in the last few weeks, I've become really aware of how many unconscious people there are being phoned in. Like the number of unconscious people, or the, either the EMS or the firefighters are, are being dispatched to deal with somebody, uh, it's, it's like way, way higher than respiratory emergencies and cardiac emergencies combined, probably. It's like, and I'm now curious what is going on. Um, and maybe it has always been thus and these are just drunks. I, I have a feeling that maybe it's more likely a, a, a dope thing, a heroin. So I, I don't know exactly what is up with all the unconscious people. It could just be a completely normal level of un- unconscious people. Yeah. But I also hear car accidents. And there are car accidents just happening ambiently. I mean, I can be sitting here at 4.30 in the morning reading Twitter. Or, you know, I just woke up and I can't get back to sleep. And I hear I hear a call go out for... Sometimes they include small details, which is a little weird. Um, but sometimes I'll hear a call for uh, auto accident and shemung. Someone has hit a pole. And I just think, Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> shemung is the last place in the world where you want to hit a pole, get into a solo car accident. Oh my God. It's it, Pine Barrett. You know, it's like nowhere. And it would take anybody, min- you know, 20 minutes to drive there at least. And so, and so you just hear this little chilling thing come out over the, over the, over the dispatch. And then 10 minutes go by and you hear the same dispatch, you hear the same thing. Auto accident in Shemung, drivers hit a pole. And, and then you just have that, there's no more information forthcoming and you just have that little image. You just get to hold on to that little image for the rest of the day. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. And so there's no quite getting around that, that moment on a curving highway or many times or skateboarding. But yeah, just realizing like, well, it could all go wrong or being in an airplane with high turbulence. Well, what could go one way or another? And I, and you know, this is a macabre thing to think about, but it's, I think, I bet I'm not the only person. I mean that basically you kind of, you can imagine your last moments and there's almost a weird like, like there's that cliche of the, your life floating, your life flashing before your eyes. And that is kind of a comfort, you know, that's kind of a, it's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a comfort. It's almost like, I sort of like think about it like my wedding day. That's a grim thing to say, but it's like, I almost am like, which memories do I want to include in that, in that, in that, you know, final, uh, uh, Kodachrome carousel. <laughs> um, but if you did, if you had got in a motorcycle accident, I mean, depending on the circumstances and whatnot, it could really be, you could not even know what had happened yet and, and be in a really terrible situation. You know, I think that that, I think that those last moments, the life flashing before your eyes might be a luxury that many people don't get to have. Um, and so you get the closest you can, like the, you get almost to the edge of it when you have those moments on the highway, when the road curves, um, you're on the outside of the curve. I'm sorry. The road curves, the cars on the inside of the curve are shining their headlights in your eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Um, in that moment, you have a little bit of a pre-flash of a little bit of a, you know, I don't know what kind of crazy chemicals go through your brain if you're, 
yeah, no, there's no reason to think about this. There's no reason to think about this in such detail and depth. But you, I, but you do, I guess, or one does, or I do. Um, and yeah, no, it's just a, that's the sad, I mean, the course of it, the real luxury would be dying at an ordinary age, you know, 75, 85. <laughs> um, because this kid, John Tennant, 32 years old, he's a little young, a little older than my sister. Um, and I mean, it's, the, it's so creepy to go back to someone's I mean, he was posting about his Patreon two days ago on Twitter, making, I mean, going through his Twitter, here's the thing, going through John Tennant's Twitter, like just briefly, you know, flick through a few things. And some of his Twitter jokes are are good. And I thought like, John Tennant, this is how I want to remember John. And then some of his recent, you know, you see a bad recent Twitter joke, an unsuccessful recent Twitter joke. And it's, I just don't know what, to, I just, it's just too much. <laughs> uh Anyway, so I think we're all probably thinking a little bit more about death um, recently. And and so, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I think we all just want to not die an embarrassing death, ideally. It is a, it's a very baseline, not die a, a desperate, unexpected death. <laughs> on that note, I'm not sure. Um, how do I tie this to something uplifting? Well, at least while we're alive, we have skateboarding. <laughs> oh, you're, maybe you're not interested in skateboarding. Well, you got whatever you're into. <clears throat> um, <laughs> ah, boy, oh boy. I think it's time to put a, to, to put, <laughs> to put a bung in the old hole for, for this episode. Kind of, kind of tied this one up. I'm Steve McLaughlin. I really do appreciate you tuning in with me. Uh, today is April 10th, 2020. Yes. Um, <laughs> I hope you're doing well. Uh, if we haven't talked in a while, uh, get in touch. Send me an email. All right. See ya. Later. <laughs>